Hey everybody, and uh, welcome back to season seven, our first episode back. And uh, uh, I was thinking this was the first time we were doing um, uh, this through Zoom for you know for the first episode, but actually a couple of uh, seasons back, I think season five we did that as well. Season we did. six we didn't, but uh, so it's nice, you know, it's nice to have that. Sometimes people aren't able to uh, get to the studio, and I know. Um, that pesky little C word is, uh, you know, coming back anyway. So it's it's probably safer that we're all here, you know, in our own little bubbles. But I'm here. Uh, I'm Jonathan A. Moody, uh, the host of the show. And I'm here with my co-host. Paul A. Presenza, otherwise known as the Moo Cow. How's it going, everybody? All right. And we've got an awesome, awesome guest. She's never been on this particular show before, but you'll actually be able to hear her on Horror Film Lovers First Time Watch Fridays before this. Uh, Please welcome Spooky Madison. How are you doing, Spooky? I'm doing very well. How are you guys? Good. Nice to meet you. Spooky, eh? Outstanding. <laughs> uh, I've told uh, Paul a bit about you and everything, and that we've done our interviews, and I think he's checked some of that stuff out. So it's really mm-hmm. nice to have you here um, doing this. And we had a fun time doing doing the last one for uh, was it uh, uh, for first time watch Friday. So uh, yeah. I was like, oh, she'll probably maybe want to come back. And thank you for coming. Yeah. Back. Did you tell her about the monkey? I did not. So we have a little monkey that Paul has. <laughs> I actually have two. Mine's in the studio uh, because it would get eaten by the dogs and stuff that we have here. But um, we have a sock puppet monkey. He's got a sock puppet monkey uh, named Continuity Monkey. So whenever there is a problem with continuity and boy, howdy, there's a lot of those and a lot of the movies that we cover. uh, That's when he will give a squeak because that's his thing. Yes. When we were talking about that, he gives a squeak. So. Uh, it's more fun in the studio because he will actually squeak the monkey when he sees when he notices it. Because I'm basically a six year old. Because we have fun, <laughs> we have fun going continuity and right. pointing it out. Make- um, just because you know it's just it happens, you know, especially in indie uh, film. But uh, and before we get into all that, I do want a cow in- puppet too. I don't know if you can see it. Cow puppet. Yeah. Sorry, Paul. Can't see your puppet. Drat. My puppet. Oh, well, it's okay. And the audience can't see it either because this is a podcast. So I don't know what you're doing. But uh, anywho, we're going to be talking about Dead and Rotting, a 2002 film. We all watched it separately. So uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about this. This is going to be fun. Um, Until then, everybody, you're listening to some mood music. music. are back all right um so first of all uh i'm gonna go with paul first because uh he, you said you've seen this before maybe yes you did this yes. when you watched it again did it did things pop up in your head somewhat um i think the first time i watched it would have been it must have been back when it came out originally because 2002 or so yeah or a couple of years after that and um i remember 
I don't think I sat through it all the way. I think I kind of gave up on it about halfway through and I wasn't really into it. Um, I, it was better seeing it this time around. I, I had, I enjoyed it a little bit more. I, I still think the movie has some flaws, which we can get into, mm. but I finished it and I'm glad I did. And, and, um, it actually, I enjoyed it a lot more. And you know me, I'm a gigantic fan of both Debbie Roshan and for Trent Haga. So it was great to see to see those guys. And when they're together, especially, they have this great rapport that just they just seem to feed off of each other. Well, they're like they're like best friends right, in real life, right. you know, and everything. So that I, I feel like sometimes that and I'm sure Spooky as an act, actor, you can you know, like I, I talk about up that more too. this time because I recognize so many different people from so many other projects. <laughs> yep. You know, I even picked up James L. Edwards. I don't know if you noticed, but he yeah, he was in he was in the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was great. So yeah, well, I it was it was a much more interesting and fun experience for me this time. All right, so spooky. You'd never seen this film before, as far as I know, right? No, I have never seen this film. And I, actually, I had trouble finding it because I was typing in dead and the word and. Mm -hmm. And it's actually the ampersand sign. Yep. Yeah, that, that was a problem for me on Tubi as well. Right. Because, like, I mean, I did that as well. And I was looking it up as and. Right. Mm -hmm. And even though I knew the ampersand was there, I was like, well, it'd just be easier I, to just do that. I just put in Debbie Rashawn. Um, well, there you go. Um but uh, yeah, so uh, but so you watched it. What was your uh, initial thought, Spooky? Uh, like my overall thought? Yeah, I took into account that this was made more than twenty years ago. And so there, there were problems like that. Yeah, okay. I, just like quality wise, I mean, when you think of a moderate, I mean, low budget is considered, I guess, less than two million in Hollywood standards, but like this would be a extremely low budget micro budget micro, micro. yeah um i was not unimpressed right you were not unimpressed so that means you were impressed i i i was not unimpressed there you go there you go so <laughs> all right well we'll get into more of that uh let me get into the background real quick just to get Spooky's that out a little way. ambiguous i like it <laughs> yes <laughs> well we'll get into more details and we'll figure out exactly uh what our thoughts are on it um so it's co-written and directed by david p barton um mm -hmm. david has only directed this film uh it says another film on imdb if you mm -hmm. look it up but it, that's just an anthology that includes this film so it is not you know, I don't count that. Um, uh, David has, uh, so he's only directed this film, uh, but he's a special effects artist of many movies, including Turbo, the Power Rangers movie. Uh, he did Robot Ninja, which uh, we may be doing this season, Starship Troopers, and many more. Um, it is co-written by Douglas Snoffer, but uh, he only got credit because uh, he wrote the first draft and then uh, David rewrote the whole thing from scratch, so it's completely different. And it's a Tempe movie, right? Right. Well, it's a full moon movie. It's actually. a full moon. Okay. Yeah. Full moon full productions. Moon. Yeah. Yeah. Full moon productions. Um, distributed, and they they have the uh thing. I'll I'll get into that in a second, actually. Um, so he wrote the whole thing. Doug uh wrote a few flicks like Witch House Two, uh, Blood Coven, The Vault, and Shriek Show. 
with our buddies, uh, our our buddy uh, Brad Twig and the um, uh, Fuzzy Monkey guys. It's a witch in a house. It's witch house. Yes. Well, they keep saying witch house in this movie, so I almost thought I this know. was a witch house movie. Funny. Um, and Debbie right. Rashad again. Yep. Uh, she was in three. Uh, interestingly enough, note even though this was two thousand and two, and Witch House three has said it's in two thousand and three. Uh, Dustin Hubbard told me an interesting fact of like he believes that uh, Witch House 3 was actually made before it might have been released after this one but okay. it was actually made before Interesting. Uh, um, executive mm-hmm. produced by well no produced by J.R. Bulkwalter who's, that's why I thought it was a Tempe movie yeah well yeah, I mean it's sort of a Tempe slash full moon but I, I it they was crossed over in a number of yeah, productions for a little while for a little bit um and then let's see. So, oh, who uh, produced uh, Zombie Cop, Robot Ninja, Polymorph, and the Witch House movies, plus many, many more. Uh, executive produced by Charles Band with Full Moon. He, uh, he produced the Puppet Master movies, the Trancer mm-hmm. movies, the Ginger Dead movies, um, all of that stuff, and many more. Uh, starring Stephen O. Mahoney, who I don't, I didn't recognize at all as Hollis. Um, he's been in Roswell, mm-hmm. uh, Desperate House, Housewives, NYPD Blue, and, and many more. Um, Tom Hoover as JB, which I think was possibly a nod to J.R. Bookwalter, JB, um, uh, with, the, with the name. Um, he was in Polymorph, Chupa, uh, Humanoids from Atlantis, and more, which I believe you can all get from J.R.'s website, which is makeflix.com, makes, makeflixfilms.com. So um, then there's Trent Haga, as we mentioned, um, as Eric. He was in Terra Firmer, Killjoy 2, Ski Wolf, many, many others. I'm mentioning a lot of ones that we've Ski already Wolf. covered yeah. on our stuff. Um, Deborah Sean, who we've interviewed, and she's super sweet, um, as Abigail. Uh, she was in Tromeo and Juliet. Slime City Massacre. Uh, she directed the movie Model Hunger and many more. I mean, many, many and more. Stephen Mahoney, I wanted to point out, I don't know if you've seen it, but he was the dude in Motor- Motorcycle, too. Oh, yeah, he was in Motorcycle, yeah. Forgot, I forgot to mention that. going to cover, trust me, on the show. We I covered it on uh, in, oh, like one of the quick one things, you know, that I did. Oh, one okay. Of the, one of not quick reviews, but it was like, one of the uh, 31 days, but we can always recover it for Indie Film Cafe. It's a fun mind. movie. Yeah, I liked it. Um, so Jeff Dylan Graham as Asher. He was in Zombiegeddon, Fell, Homesick, and many more. He is coming back to acting, which is really exciting. Um, I don't know what the project is at yet, but I just heard he's coming back, which um, I've been wanting him to come back for a long time. I think you've even heard me say that. Mm-hmm. Tammy Sutton as Rose. Uh, Killjoy. She was, she was in <laughs> Hell Asylum, Our Vision, uh, Witch House Three, um, Killjoy, uh, and she was in many, many more. She directed Killjoy too. Oh, nice. Um, there were more, but basically that's the main cast. Uh, the composer was John Greathouse, who composed a little movie that you love, Paul, called Bite Me. Oh yeah, um, you know I love that movie. He did uh, Screaming Dead, Queen Crab, and many more. Uh, cinematographers Mike King, who DP'd The Frightening, Bleed, Dominicus, and more. And the editor, 
was uh, Dennis Peterson, who edited Ghoul School Deathbed, which is a movie. Spooky. It's a movie about a bed that kills you. Love it. Deathbed. Yeah. So I think that's available on Tubi as well. Um, and October Moon and many more. I just love how, you know, these folks, you know, like the people who work with Brett Piper or these people who work with Tepe, the people who they'll yeah. work with Full Moon. I just Mark love Polonia, all they all work, work all together. they all work together. It's yeah. Wonderful. It's it's weird when you look at that sort of group of people, even like Donald Farmer will get mm -hmm. like in those groups and stuff and, and you know what I mean? Like you look at those people and you're like, Oh my god, there's this like kind of revolution of indie people like all being a community and working together it's it's pretty so cool spooky, i just a quick question for my for my own edification um he, he moody said that you you um you're an actress and you've done some work so you're pretty are you familiar with a lot of the you know indies and underground scene for movies and probably not to the extent that we are because i'm certainly not because because i've been around forever <laughs> um but um you know so are you fairly familiar with the indie scene Oh yeah, um, I I've been a part of specifically the horror indie scene since 2011. Okay. Um. So I mean, around that time is when I started, you know, getting mm -hmm. super familiar, like acting wise. But um, before that, uh, my I had this friend who would burn these VHSs that of movies that nobody's heard of. There was one called, um, I think it was called like. Uh, something like grandma's a bitch and so is her dog or something like that <laughs> but it was a horror movie and it was about an evil grandma wow um i gotta find like, that i i want to i'll probably reach out to him and and ask if please if he has his collection still but he had some obscure shit that's awesome yeah that sounds wonderful well, that's, that's great sounds like you're you're one of us one of us one of us <laughs> yeah yes Outstanding. um uh, yeah, well, wonderful because uh, we're gonna get into some some stuff. But yeah, it, when I when I was talking about all the different people, a lot of them crossed over and worked together on other projects that weren't necessarily full moon projects. Some trauma, some you know, as you said before, uh, Paul uh, Brett Piper's movies and mm -hmm. and just anything because you know, Spooky, you know this as an actor, you kind of just go wherever, you know, like wherever you you're freelance you know you don't work with just one company you know you work you might work more more than once with a company but you work with like this company and that company right and, and just so that you you know um spooky i i am not in the biz i mean i i help out moody with his productions and his stuff but i have a totally other different career it's just i've been watching movies since i was a tiny calf and certainly the more indie and more obscure the happier i am so i have a a massive 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 collection and moody will tell you i'm i'm generally not really that much interested in sort of the the mainstream stuff so you know this these kinds of movies tend to be right up my alley yeah absolutely um i have also been watching movies for a long time i mean my my first my first favorite pastime was literally watching movies outstanding so, yeah so spooky can you tell us what the story of this movie is about yes this is about um well let's start let's let's get into it correctly this is about a a, a woman who has some abilities 
and she lives in the woods and she's a witch and she has uh like all witches she has a cat and usually those cats are something called familiars but she has obtained the power to basically make this cat into her son um into a human form um and I mean, they live in the woods and they're having a great time. Rumors have been swirling about them for years about how there's a witch in the woods. There's the witch house in the woods and they avoid the mother and son because they're dirty and they're like hillbillies, like hills have eyes type stuff. I mean, this guy doesn't have any teeth, but that's probably because he's surviving on wet cat food. Um, and drinking milk out of a bowl. And drinking milk out of a bowl. Yeah. And lapping it. Um, and their stories cross with um three friends three three men who uh basically encounter the cat now human boy they called him jackal boy i think they were calling him jackal boy in it yep um he had a name what was his name oh it was pox his name was pox, pox. yeah but the uh, bar person called him stinky stinky the bar the local bar where pox the cat man uh cat went- man frequency is called uh they call him stinky so these three boys these three men they're at the bar after their this weird encounter with pox and um they i mean they just right off the bat talk mad shit about pox like they don't like him right off the bat Mm -hmm. and they basically want to figure out who pox is who the witch is so they allow their drug dealer and his little friend to go and investigate basically. And the drug dealer and the friend end up killing the cat. Because well, I think were they originally just supposed to like, just like throw some rocks, like, yeah, there were some rocks at do, the windows. Yes. Um, but the, they're drug dealers and the door was open. <laughs> so there you go. There's yeah. all the excuse you need to boil a cat in the pot. Yeah, so they, so Pox, who uh, is in cat form at night because he cuddles with mom on the bed as a cat, uh, he was in cat form when the drug dealers went to the house and the drug dealers boiled him in a pot, killed him. Mm -hmm. Um, And that makes witch mama real mad. I mean, here's my big thing. If you're like that, you know, you're that elderly, like that you're, that you're like, and you can make yourself young again. Why don't you do that all the time? I mean, like, yeah. well, I, and then the other thing too, looking at it from a historical perspective, and if you read things like the Malleus Maleficorum and other treaties on witchcraft, typically when a witch is able to gain that kind of a power where they can manipulate physical forms and take uh, animals and turn them into humans, generally it's done be- as a lover and not as a son. Yes, agreed. Yeah. So that's that kind of made it a little interesting. I didn't expect that, but then that that will take the narrative into a, a totally different direction. So I understand why they went with son as opposed to lover. Right, and it, it was really interesting when they the woman's like Pox, you know, and then Pox comes over and goes, "Can I sleep with you tonight, Mom?" And right, right. I was like, "Because in, in and way, then all of a sudden the, it it became the cat, and I was like. I don't know if this is cute or if this is just weird. I mean, well, in a way, the writers are trying to establish that those characters, even though they're weird and quirky, that you're supposed to have some sympathy for them, you know, whereas you might have less sympathy for them if it was, you know, horny old lady getting screwed by some guy. It's just unfortunate, but that's that's the way it is. 
So I think that's why that decision was made. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then what happened, Spooky? And then the witch mama gets her revenge, revenge by basically turning into the hottest girl in 2002, uh, besides Gabrielle from Xena, um, the hottest girl from 2002, and basically fucks all three of them in one night. Dude, what happened to you? <laughs> she did. <laughs> And she's ready for more. Who's next? <laughs> I'm thinking it's me. Hmm. <sighs> Hobbs. Oh. And the um, condom second part. I already tried that. And she tossed them away. Doesn't like the feel. seduces them they all kind of fall in love with her and by by doing that she was able to seek them out individually afterwards and basically lure them in to kill them right but she didn't just kill them she put them in her basement and this is where it gets a little confusing for me. Um, she, it, the movie's called Dead and Rotting. So what she did, essentially, in my opinion, is she killed their physical bodies so that they would begin to rot and like in a fast way, and is growing trees from them. Yeah, yeah she zombified them basically. Yeah, yeah, but there's like there was a, mm. a mention of that in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. If you guys recall, like there was a part where. Uh, they're in the car talking the uh the friends are all yeah and they kind of one of them says my uh my friend said that you know uh when he was 14 he heard that these people did uh this and that the the uh the trees would come out of their brains or something like that and so i was happy to actually see that happen you know because a lot of times it's just talk in indie films but they actually like went there and that was kind of cool you know yeah, to me. yeah absolutely um I, I really enjoyed the practical effects in this movie i'm not gonna yes. lie yes. they were pretty dope it's always good to have a director who has that as a part of their you know thing that they do like if they're a really good dp or a really good special effects person you know and they become the director they're most likely going to be doing the special effects so as but well so wait you know, there's things. more because they don't she doesn't just get the revenge she doesn't get the revenge on all of them right mm-hmm. right so she gets the revenge on two of them uh and on the second guy she basically seduces lures and has sex with him again and then she has hold on i wrote it down she has what i call a miscarriage pumpkin burial <laughs> as you do where she basically um uh i don't know is it a menstrual cycle it has to be a miscarriage she gives birth to this just nasty glob of practical effects awesomeness uh puts it in a jack-o'-lantern and then buries it and then out of that grows three jack-o'-lantern heads henchmen 
Yeah. The ghouls. Ghouls. Although it's funny because at, at the at the end when the credits are coming up, they call them the fake shimps, which I think is great. Yeah. I love that. That's a reference to Three Stooges and also a reference to Sam Raimi. Yep. Yes. Yes. And so the, the henchmen are actually the ones who help her get the, the last guy who's actually the fittest and the buffest. And in my opinion, the nicest out of all of the friends. Right. And in order to stop her, he has to enlist the help of one of the drug dealers who killed the cat. Mm-hmm. And he, the drug dealer, takes him to his ex. Asher, you crazy fucker. I got a court order that says you got to stay at least 500 yards away from me. I know what it says, but it's an emergency. Our lives are at stake. You're damn right. I pulled the trigger. It's all over you, two-timer. Uh, this this was just a big mistake, bros. You a stalker, too? You're dressed like one. No, uh, these, these are my clothes. Look, baby, we screwed up. We got this crazy-ass witch after us. Or worse. She made ghouls and everything. And the ex is also a witch. And she says, listen, the only way that you're going to stop this witch in the woods is if we cut off your finger and I put it in something called a whammy. And this whammy, I mean, just like in the saying, like, you know, like throw a whammy at him. You, she literally has this magic ball with his severed finger and some weird gooey magic. And she says, if you throw this at her directly at her, it will stop her. Mm-hmm. And she'll become well, a homunculus actually, for yeah. 30 seconds and that'll allow a window for him to be able to kill her. Yes. Yes. It'll, it'll like stun <laughs> her or something. Well, like makes her ugly is what they said, because they said, you know, she won't be like, you know, like um, a giant or anything, but she'll It'll be... reveal her true form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, her true form was, well, it's pretty rough. Um, it was a little wooden doll. Yeah. <laughs> Which much. was also of practical effects. Like, you know, somebody made that. That right. was dope. That's that's David Barden. He, uh, he actually, uh, when he did this special effects, he... Uh, he put his name backwards for the special effects because he didn't nice. want to look like he's doing everything or whatever, you Did know. But oh, Neil Breen. He, he, <laughs> I mean, Neil, would Neil Breen do the special? He wouldn't do. He does CGI. Neil Breen would do everything and put yeah, his name on everything. It's true. We got to show you a Neil Breen movie one day. You'll, you'll be just like, what the? Oh gosh, we have so many movies to show you, Spooky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome, welcome to the group. You're probably welcome. never going to leave now. Um, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's like, so he does that. But oh, oh, wait, he doesn't actually do it at first, though. He he's, he's incompetent. He's incompetent and he messes up. And the drug dealer we didn't know also got his finger cut off. That was a twist. And I think that was uh that later is kind of mentioned in his dialogue of, I think I'm going to ask her to marry me again. Right. The ex, because I think they probably had this moment where he showed some type of humanity and it was like, cut my finger off too. I got to go help my friend. And she was like, Oh my God. And then fell in love with it, man. And then they kind of reconnected with that. But so, so he, obviously he can't throw it. He, something happens. He also, he gets like pummeled by a henchman. Mm-hmm. And that's when drug dealer guy shows up with his own whammy and says, I got you, my dude throws it. And he's the one who actually ends up saving the day. Right. right. Good old Jeff Dylan Graham, baby. 
Um, I, I swear. I'm so once again, I'm going to reiterate this. I am so glad he's coming back. He was one of the, uh, one of the guys in the early two thousands, I'd watch every movie that he put out and I'm friends with him. You know, I've got his phone number, you know, and, and junk, but, uh, that's when he told me he was coming back, but I kept bothering him about it. I kept saying, dude, we need you back. You know, the, the, the indie world, needs jeff dylan graham and he's like oh man when when i find the right project and apparently he found the right project thank god because somebody yeah. somebody hit him with something not and i'm with a whammy yeah not easy being an actor in the indie film industry i don't have to tell you guys that what so it's not easy being an actor no. in the indie film industry no and it's uh and it's especially when i hate to say it but Jeff Dylan Graham got into that point where I think he was doing almost everybody, everybody's project that anybody asked him mm-hmm. and he just didn't say no. And he was in a bunch of stuff. He wasn't in, you know, like Jackie when, you know, Jackie's doesn't like the, the film industry because she just wasn't in yeah. any movies. Well, she was proud to say she was in. I know? don't know that that's necessarily a bad strategy though, because the thing about it is the gravy train's going to come to a stop at some point. So you might as well take advantage and take every opportunity you can, do the best you can, make whatever money you can, because you're you're not guaranteed anything in that biz. So. Yeah, but if, if you're in the business, it's because it's your dream to be in the business. And as an actor and also a filmmaker, I don't take every job that comes my way because I choose quality over quantity. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, you want to choose quality. And I think some people do take quantity because, well, A, especially if you're living in L.A., there's gonna be like like Jeff Dylan Graham does. You, you have to pay the bills, and so yeah. if somebody comes up and says, "I got a movie for you for you know five hundred dollars to you know a day," and you you know you could basically pay your your rent on that month, and you don't have to do a regular work, work a regular job, you're gonna take it. You know. Yeah, but but you but think of what you're saying is if somebody has the money to pay someone five hundred dollars a day, that's not a that's not a micro budget. Yeah, that's that's pretty. That's going to be a movie you're going to be proud to be a part of. Probably, yeah. Okay, so maybe two hundred, but still, you probably work like ten days. You know, you're going to get a pretty good amount. You know, maybe yeah. not your rent money for that month, but if you do two of them, yeah. You know. Plus, like I said, I I am not in the business, so for me, there's an attraction to doing the lowest possible quality work out there because I like that kind of stuff. Right, and and that's that's a very like commendable too for a lot of people for if they if that's what they want to do is just make goofy movies that you know whatever but i'm just gonna say this was not like that you know but this had a full moon budget you know like this had something you know what i mean they had uh they had money they had money for effects they had money for people i will say that like i said i enjoyed this bet more now than when i originally saw it when i originally saw it it was at a period where I had been watching a ton of indie films, indie horror films, and they were so similar in the way that all you get are these 30-something-year-old men acting like 14-year-old knuckleheads. And I was so sick of that. And I, you know, so when I originally saw it, I'm like, oh, God, I have to sit through another bunch of, of these teenage morons who are actually 35 years old and should know better, should have... <laughs> you know, stronger characters. They should have motivations like adults do. They should do and think like adults do, and they're not doing any of that. This time around, I just kind of let things roll, and I'm kind of uh-huh. glad I did, 
because it doesn't really matter. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. Um, ultimately, it's this is just a, a bit of fluff, and you have fun with it. You know? I, I I will say that the it did feel like the writing was for like you know teenagers, you know, and not thirty something year old men. Because like I mean, I I get thirty something year old men, especially back in two thousand and two going to the bar and having a drink with each other, hanging out. I don't really see them going and throwing rocks at a freaking, uh, you know, or whatever they're originally planning to do. Oh, which you're going to be scared. Ooh, I dare you to do this. Ooh, my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> right? Well, I'm you willing to bet you somewhere along the line, there's a draft where instead of being in their whatever work it is that they're doing, they're actually probably in like a high school shop class. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I did make that note. I did make the note that it felt kind of like the, like the videos that you would do for a grade, right? The, the camera work, and not to, not not specifically the camera work itself, but the camera quality. I was really impressed with the audio because it it was consistent shot by shot. So they obviously had a mixer and like on set, which is great. Um. And the shot list itself was smart. It was like it, in my opinion, it was beyond its years. Uh, right. smart shot and list. it was lit well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Lighting was great. It was just the camera itself was of low quality. It was, it was like the budget didn't go towards the camera. It went towards everything else, which is great, but it, I mean, you lost quality because of it. Well, so this was a, this was a weird time for full moon. Um, so I don't know if you know spooky much about the full moon uh, movies or whatever, you know, the history of them, but they started out, Charles band started out with a, a little company called empire that his, uh, his father ran. And then he took over, I believe he took the empire over and he started to make these different movies and a lot of, a lot of really fun ones. Paul and I watched like robot jocks and, you know, robot wars, all these really goofy fun. Um, I think reanimator came from oh, yeah. that, you know, all these amazing movies. And that was produced by like Paramount, somebody like that, like a big studio backed them. And they had all this money. They, they shot out in Romania. And then when the money kind of just dried up and uh, the studio just wasn't mm -hmm. interested in paying them any more money, he started full moon with whatever they had left. And I think they even went bankrupt at one point yeah. or something in order. And to this do was that. right before the new digital revolution too. So right. So all of quite... all those yeah. amazing films like puppet masters and, 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 and whatnot were all made and these were great. And these, these had quality to them. And then kind of slowly they went into like a weird digital age where it was sort of like DV stuff you know and that was like shot on dv which is digital video which it was worse than hd became and everything hd sort of revolutionized digital uh video and and got cheaper and cheaper now people can make movies on the red for like five grand as opposed you know as opposed to uh rent you know renting out a mm -hmm. uh um you know, a camera for, for like 50 bucks, you know, and that's pretty much what the DV was. I mean, I had my own Panasonic PV DV 500. Yeah. It looked, it looked just as bad as that, probably worse, 
Well, and that's because you talk to any DP and they will tell you that the lighting for digital and the lighting for film and the lighting for video is completely different. And you got to have somebody who knows what they're doing or else it's just not going to look good. Yep. You know? So they had somebody at least who understood that. That was a good thing. But aside from that, I agree completely spooky. The the quality got lost, but that was that was the full moon era of that time, you know, period. Uh, Jer- some of the movies, you would love it because of the the bad look to it you know or whatever but this movie should have been shot on film or mm. or or made today if it was remade today it would look beautiful you know and 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 you wouldn't notice the bad quality because yeah. there, i don't think there would be that it's it's but. kind of a shame um but on the other hand <laughs> mr moody will tell you we could see it we could hear it <laughs> you know that doesn't happen at all in some of the movies that we feature on our show yeah. So, you know, it, I understand what you're saying as far as the level of clarity. Sure, I, I wish it had been a better camera, too. Um, but I, I've seen much worse than this. Yeah. So. For sure. So, Spooky, I want to hear some of your notes. So you wrote a bunch of notes. You showed me like a whole nice. thing. I yes. love the enthusiasm. That's great. So I want to hear this stuff and we can, uh, can all talk about it. Okay, let's start from the beginning. Um, we had two full minutes of opening credits before any opening scene. There was actually no true opening scene or opening kill for this horror movie, Mm-mm. which is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two full minutes, I was, I was having trouble with that. You were dozing. I was, I was hitting the plus ten seconds, plus ten seconds, plus uh-huh. ten seconds to get past it, and it was one fifty nine before. It, transitioned into the actual scene now that used to be a thing you know it did um they got rid of that not two minutes that's true and i'm glad they got rid of it because yeah it's annoying and even if it was uh just opening credits without an opening kill scene or an opening scene in general there the background or there would be effects to the opening credits that foreshadowed the actual movie this had none of that. It was just random imagery. Right. And the thing is, is that that's your opportunity to set the mood. So if exactly. you don't set the mood, it's, you're just kind of like, okay, something is starting. And that's, that's all you're getting. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. I, uh, my next note was that Jackal Boy Pox, he did fine. The actor, he did, he did good. I, I have no uh qualms with the actor himself or his performance but when he popped up onto the car in that first scene and we see him i thought it was sean whalen <laughs> i did too i was, I was like, like thinking if, if they had the money they would have got sean whalen i know, know that's what i my that's what my note said if they had the money they should have had sean whalen be pox yeah he, oh my god that's i was thinking that because the, he was a uh, i forgot the character's name and people under the stairs but he was so great in that yes. like uh it's yeah. actually like funny it. i had a completely different thought um i was thinking that from the kevin strange movie the the um the the fake rasta guy with his stick with the dead thing on it and he was like doing that and i'm like oh shit it's it's papa mcshango from kevin strange <laughs> there you go see we think more of like other stuff. You go into like a deeper, darker indie world, you oh, know. God, we have such yeah. rabbit holes. <laughs> <laughs> I um I think that the acting of the main three was good. 
I don't, I mean, I have no complaints of anybody's performance. I mean, even the server slash bartender at the local dive bar. I mean, she was like, she was fine. You know, she was natural. Like, yeah. It seemed like that was her real job. And they were like, Hey, you want to be in this movie? Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, you know, absolutely. just be yourself, you know? I think the chemistry between the three main characters was good too. They must have gotten drunk together, you know, for a couple of weeks beforehand or something. So what I I know of Tom Hoover is that he's worked with like J.R. Bookwalter. Uh, I don't know if he was in uh, Murder Cycle with um, the other guy, but uh, they all, I bet they all knew each other outside of working there and everything. And so they just sort of are. And that's what I was saying about like, when we talked about Trina Haga and uh, Deborah Sean together, they are like, they were best friends. Um, There's a a movie that we haven't done yet, but we've done a lot of the filmmaker. Uh, Chris Seaver has made a movie called um, Mulva Zombie Ass Kicker. And in Mulva, they had, um, what is it? Uh, Like both uh, Deborah Sean was going to come out and then she brought Trent Haga to which you know because she wasn't sure like what she was getting herself into she didn't know the guys so she wanted to buffer you know and so they got two for the price of one nice. because Trent Haga isn't a fantastic actor <laughs> yeah know? so I would love to work with them again uh they they haven't done another movie in a while because Trent's been focusing on his writing mm-hmm. and uh directing and stuff and doing an amazing amazing job on that but and there is definitely an advantage to that i mean we we have done a lot of movies where you have directors using the same people a lot of times but that's not necessarily because they can't find anybody else or because they they have a low budget there is an advantage to working with actors who have a rapport who understand timing who understand how the other people work and it shows and and it'll show in in an instance like this where people are very very comfortable with each other and no one's stepping on each other's lines nobody's trying to outdo anybody else and that kind of comfort comes across in screen so i i think it tends to be an advantage more than a disadvantage in my opinion yeah yeah no i agree with that i mean i've worked with several actors over and over again um because the indie community while it is spread you know all the way across the world on the on my end on the east coast um, the midwest area we all know each other uh, from networking from horror hound from fear fest from from all kinds of things we know each other and sometimes the directors i mean they see if you are if you work well together with someone on set and they see if you're a hard worker and they see if you promote your movies and they see they they take these little mental notes and that's why a lot of directors work with the same actors over and over again, because they know that they will get the job done right. Spooky, did, did you go to uh, Scarefest last year? No. Oh, okay, we did. So, okay. um, and Actually, I'm so, surprised. I just assumed you were West Coast. I figured you'd be out in L.A. I'm from Ventura, California, but I have lived on the East Coast for a really long time. So most, I mean, all of my acting career, I've been on the East Coast, but I, I have traveled West many times for gigs. 
Yeah, there's there's actually a nice scene out in the East Coast. I mean, it's you don't have the same level as you do in Cali, of course, but um, there's there's a lot of little independent groups out here. It's, well, yeah, uh, you know, Kentucky cool. to uh, Ohio to West Virginia, West Virginia. Virginia to Florida. There's ev- everywhere. North Carolina. Yeah, there's there's Atlanta. You know, different New York, areas. Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Pennsylvania, Virginia. Yep. So there yeah. you go. Um. So yeah. Uh, continue with your notes. Sure. So my next note is that I believe Pox as the cat. Now I get the trope of a of a witch having a black cat. I get it. Mm-hmm. It was a little on the nose for me in this movie because the actor was uh, like light haired and like kind of freckly. Mm-hmm. I was thinking he would have been better as an orange tabby cat or just a regular tabby cat. I thought that was a weird note to have in there, but he as a black cat did not resonate with me. Okay. You didn't, you didn't feel like that Pox no. guy would have been that cat. He would but have been if, a different colored cat. If he had been like a penguin, then he could have had a tuxedo on. That'd have been cool. Exactly. Yeah. But if he was a black cat first before a human, they should have cast someone with dark hair and dark eyes or exactly. dark hair and light eyes. I agree 100%. But uh, yeah, I think, I, I don't know if they necessarily cast like they never. I don't think they put they a lot of thought. Think into about that. it. They yeah, I don't think, think they put a lot of thought into it. They just kind yeah. of were like, you know, black cat, orange hair guy. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, well, you can tell that this is not a script that has gone through every possible iteration. It's it's it probably could have used a little bit more work on it. That's one of my critiques of the of the script itself or the movie. Yeah, I one of my notes was that the dialogue was funny in a teenage boy sort of way the insults that the main three would throw at each other felt very familiar to like high school days Mm -hmm. but friends who have known each other or had played football together for years so that worked um that kind of worked with their personalities and their dynamic together um but with the drug dealers killing the cats I know it wasn't the main three's fault, but it immediately made me hate them. Sure. Because they brought those guys over there. Yeah. And I hate, I get it. Everyone dies in a horror movie, but you don't have to kill a fucking animal. I hate that. It makes Uh, me so sad. I know. Trust me. That's a line we always, always talk about here uh, in our show. So whenever that happens, it's a massive bummer. Courtney, Courtney Palm choked on us because we did a, uh, uh, we did a review of zombie be- uh, zombies, zombie beavers, and uh, she she watched it because I sent it to her, and she quoted on, on YouTube because she uh, laughed at the fact that we were all crying because the dog died in it, you know, and we're like, why can't a human die in it? Like instead, why can't <laughs> they push the guy in there? We don't care about them, you know. Like don't put the dog in there. And she was like, you guys sound like a bunch of vegans. Yeah, <laughs> which is what she is. So yeah. she wasn't doing well, an insult. But. And then to me, that's also a problem because they clearly did not tell those two idiots to go and do that. Yeah. And by the way, their friendship—I I didn't buy that either. That was somebody that they bought drugs off of. But I'll—I'll I'll get into that. I—I I never bought the friendship part. And well, wait a minute. What friendship part, though? Well, that's when they talk later on about, oh, here's you're my buddy. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to help save you. I, I didn't, I didn't quite buy that. Oh, well, I mean, oh yeah. Self-preservation, yeah. sure. 
Right. Well, I don't think he thought he was his buddy, but I did think he, yeah, yeah. I think, I think he thought of him as, uh, well, I, I think they, they were thinking they had to stick together because, you know, he was, both of them were next, you know? So I don't think they were thinking like your best friends or, or, or buddies. They're thinking like, you know, we need to stick together right now. I mean, that's one way of looking at it. To me, I'd be like, Hey, witchy poo, here's this dude. Now, while you're killing him, I'm going to run to my ex and get the get the answer. You know what I'm saying? Why? Especially since you put me in this jackpot to begin with. uh, Well, eh, he didn't put him in the jackpot. Uh, His friend did by tricking the cat. Well, we don't know which one of them did it. I'm pretty sure it was the other guy because the other guy was getting all pissy about it. I was like, who cares about a cat? So I'm pretty yeah. sure it's the other guy. The other Shiki. thing too is I I would have had to have argued with Witchy Poo and say, hey, we didn't sell tell these people to do that. They did that in and of their own volition. You want to go schwack them? Please, we'll help you. We didn't tell them to do that. That that was totally it, on it, them. I think they said that. They said that in the movie, and the person said, I don't. She said, I don't care who did it. You know, yeah. you guys set them to go there. Well, you kind of should, shouldn't you? No, I mean, if you're a witch who lives in the woods, who sleeps with your son, who's a cat, who ultimately has great tits, you have a, something's going on in your mind. That's not right. So if I, if let's say that she was me, I look at it from a, a realistic standpoint, you know, like not as an actor standpoint. That was a witch in the woods and someone killed my son slash cat. I would not care who did it. If you were involved in any way, I'm going to kill you. I'm now, gonna- my only my only problem is that my my only my biggest problem with it is it kind of jumped where she found out who's, you know, who did it or whatever, the the guy's address on the the porno mags or whatever. Right. And then she went straight for the other guys first before That going I think for- is a plot issue. Yeah. And I think that I think that's probably one of my one of my problems with the movie really is that like you're right where she shouldn't have gone after them necessarily but she should have gone after them after yeah you know the other people because they even though they didn't do it technically you know they sent those guys over there to harass them they paid them to right. harass so the if people If there was a scene where she kills those two first and then she makes it clear that that's not enough to satisfy her desire for revenge. She's going to also go after the other ones. That would make more sense to me. And that, I, would, that would I, satisfy me. I think it would make more sense to immediately go after the three and then have an end credit scene where she's actually not dead at all and she comes after the drug dealers. End credit scene, there's a sequel. There you go. Dead and rotting too. Still rotting. Still rotting. Still dead. Still dead. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it honestly, and if you want to go into it, I, I don't know if I wrote it. If I wrote the scene, if I wrote the movie, I would have had it where, uh, the, yeah, they she that they, they left the porno mag at the cab at the house. They she discovered who the people were that did it. She killed those pe- killed those people. And then she found out that, you know, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. Those guys paid us to do it. Right. And then she goes, oh, okay. Now I can go after these guys. They go, one of the guys goes, hey, my ex was a witch. Remember? 
you know, right? Which they can maybe even throw in as a foreshadowing earlier, you know, that we don't need to pick up on. And then they, and then JB is the one, because honestly, it does feel a little weird that the drug dealer, it becomes like the hero at the end when he's only in it for like maybe 10 minutes of screen yeah. time. It yeah. should have been one of the buddies with the other buddy, uh, <laughs> probably not Trent Haga's character because he's kind of a dum-dum, you know, it would probably have been uh, the other guy, JB, you know, I think that would have been my, yeah. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. thing. No, I, so. I, I get it. It's just, it, the way I, I would have done it personally is I would have said, you know, <clears throat> you you know who actually did the deed. You kill the people who did the deed. And now you have a choice. You can either be satisfied with that. And if you're sort of like a normal, regular person, you probably would be satisfied with that. But if you're not, if there's something else going on with you, if you're a malevolent person or if you've just been somebody who lives in the woods with a cat and is a witch and you're not quite right with the rest of society, maybe you would go after that. But the cho- there, there needs to be a choice made and to me. And I, I think that helps define the witch's character a little bit yeah. more when they make that choice. Maybe a little bit. I, I'll agree with that. You know. Yeah. Um. All right, well, some more of your uh, notes. I want to hear more. But either way, a little more thought in the narrative would have helped. Yeah, yeah agreed. Yeah. I, I honestly only have two notes left. Okay. Um, we've worked through this whole two pages, essentially. Yeah. Um, so I, I got this weird feeling. It was around the time when her three henchmen miscarriages came out of the ground. I was like, this feels like a Goosebumps movie. Uh-huh. Because right. the body was pretty similar, uh, great sound and lighting and effects, but like kind of grainy and not up to par camera quality wise. Um, but the soundtrack, there was something about the soundtrack that I was just like, "This is a Goosebumps movie for sure." <laughs> this feels more like a teen, you know, movie or something. Should have been. If it didn't have all the the sex and some of the nudity or whatever, it probably would have been a great PG thirteen R flick, you know, yeah. or whatever. Because other than the violence, and there's really not a lot of gore, and some of it's actually like when mm-hmm. she takes off his uh, finger, that's off screen. You know, you, you all of a sudden you see it about to happen, and then it cuts to the house, and you hear him scream. And I was like, oh, that's a good way to just cut so we don't see any gore, you know. Yeah, there's there's mostly sex that's off screen, but there's there's a, there's a good amount of goo and a good amount of of uh, you know practical special effects right. that are enough. I I think that uh, you know I don't know I don't know about PG thirteen. You know me, I'm not. That's not my bag. I'd yeah. like to see more and more. <laughs> yeah. And like Spooky said, it's great to see the practical special effects and not just digital blood and digital nonsense. So mm-hmm. that's, that was nice to see. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of the blood, I mean, let's give kudos to the fact that they didn't use uh, food coloring and corn syrup where it turns pink as mm-hmm. it's drying. It's one of my biggest pet peeves in horror is when the blood is so bad. Right. Pink, orange, too yeah. watery. Does Like it beads off stuff because it's like oil-based. I I hate bad blood. And this had pretty good blood, especially the gag at the beginning when he pretends to cut his own finger off, which now that we say it is foreshadowing of him cutting his finger off. Yeah. Oh wait, no, so that's it's a the other guy. Other guy yeah. cut his finger. But 
it's a foreshadowing of the other guy getting his finger cut off. Yes. You know, yes. or whatever, which well, I, I know so much foreshadowing in a movie that I didn't even think really thought that deeply into it. You know, I, I yeah. do have some picky problems in, in certain things. For example, okay. If this is a powerful witch who's powerful enough to create a human female, uh, familiar out of a cat and who has demonstrated that she can do poisons why don't you just poison them? Why do you have to go through the whole rigmarole of creating these three lumpy uh, pumpkin-headed goons to do your work for you when you can just you can you can cast a spell? You're a witch. Just I think it comes from I I mean she used a lot of like green witch stuff, and I don't know if you guys know much about witchcraft and the different types and like the chaos magic and stuff, but she used a lot of like green magic and chaos magic where she she was using her natural like she was using her menstrual blood miscarriage to create them and she was making like trees come out of these people's brains like she was using like the earth the earth's energy and i oh. think and i think it has a lot to do with like that's probably where her power stems from is her feminine power interesting i didn't i didn't really pick that up i thought the reason she was sleeping with them was to get semen samples so that she could create these things that were somehow connected to them and that's how they knew where they were i mean that's i think that still falls under like the whole feminine energy and power of like the the power of being sultry and using your body and then later fucking someone up there you go <laughs> maybe i'm just a lazy witch i would have just cast a spell and see them die but see, yeah, but then the story would be There's over. No movie, and it's, sure. Yeah, and it's more cool to do the whole well, it's, menstrual. It's a different movie. It's it's you getting to watch them suffer as opposed to you know. Well, I mean, they do suffer. They have the they're dead and rotting. You know. Well, other guy doesn't suffer. He gets. Well, away yeah, from it. but that's that's a big thing of like. I think he's he gonna have some PTSD from this. I know. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, he's not gonna be able to trust people. Are you? Are you really a woman? You know, like a hot woman. Are you a, are you a witch now? Yeah. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I don't know. After a thing like that, I, I don't know who I trust. You know, or whatever. Um, but I do love, like we talked about it earlier, that the Asher goes back and so I was like, <clears throat> oh, I'm gonna marry that woman. And the guy was like, I don't think she's too happy with you. Yeah, oh, well, her bark uh, she is made worse it than pretty her darn bite. clear. She didn't want him around. <laughs> I mean, she has a restraining order against him. Yeah. 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 So I. I I would have loved to see that story, you know, go. Um, in fact, there was supposed to be a dead rotting too, but unfortunately, J.R. Um, Bookwalter and Charles Band had sort of a little falling out, mm-hmm. you know, with the company. And so that just never happened. But it would have been cool. Like I would have telling telling my buddy that this was would have been a great Witch House 4 or whatever, Witch House 4 dead and rotting because it felt like that. You know. I, I do enjoy the one line that our, our our blonde drug dealer does do because I think it speaks a lot for his character when he's he's you know telling um, the other dude about it and he's trying to convince her to help out and he's like we were married for four months <laughs> like that's like an inconceivable amount of time to him and it means so much and clear to her it's like yeah whatever. <laughs> Yeah, we were married for four months, and I don't know. I guess he cheated on her or something, or I think so. Yeah, and then she called him a stalker and stuff and everything. It's got kind of really weird, but I liked it. Like I like that dynamic because it 
to me, and and Paul knows this a lot. I don't like movies where they take place in just one location and it's just one storyline. Sometimes it just gets. It can be really good if if the writing is there or whatever. But most of the time, I like things to go places and go go different. You know, they said they went three counties over and everything, and it was going to take all night. And they were going to get there, and they were they went over and and saw her in that morning, the next morning, and everything, and. I like that stuff. I like taking away from what we're watching and going somewhere different because to it me that makes the world bigger. It makes the world bigger. It just seems more fun. Yeah. I don't know. It it doesn't it makes it more enjoyable to me. Yeah, you're not so claustrophobic when you're seeing the same backgrounds and the same stuff over and over and over. Exactly. And I, I get claustrophobic very easily in just real life. You know, so in the movies, I'm just like, oh my God. There's only a few uh, that I've talked about that I've really, really loved. They've done that like a uh, lifeboat, but but that's Hitchcock. You know, Hitchcock can make me like rope did that too, or is basically one location. Well, and that's why it bugs me when you have independent filmmakers who are just lazy at it and they'll just, you know, they'll shoot in the same place, but they'll put a tarp up. <laughs> you just, just set the scene outside or set it somewhere else, you know, make yeah. your world bigger. Just all you have to do is take it somewhere else. You, you know, even if you don't have permission to shoot somewhere, surely 30 seconds, that's all you need. It's enough to help, you know, enlarge your world. Don't just mm -hmm. stick a tarp there. That's not enough. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. So, all right. Oh, you said uh, also, Paul, did you have any more critiques or is that it for that? You know, like I said, this was this was something that I, I'm glad I got to rewatch. I'm glad uh, I went all the way through to the end. I enjoyed it more this time. I still have some issues with it, but you know, it's it's a cute little fluffy bit of horror comedy, and it is what it is. I I don't really have a problem with it, you know. Yeah. So it's funny that you mentioned like you know earlier that you. Uh, you were watching at a time where you're watching a lot of movies like this, indie films like this and everything. And it yeah. just kind of, kind of bored you because you're, you're sort of seeing the same thing. Um, this is like one of the first indie films that I saw outside of Chris Seaver. You know, Chris Seaver was the first uh, quest for the egg salad, which <laughs> talk about a movie where uh, I, I talked to the director and I said, Hey, I'm watching your movie. And he goes, well, if it, you never talk to me again, I would understand, <laughs> you know? And I watched it. I was like, what are you talking about? I loved it. You know, it was absolutely what I needed to watch at that time, but it got me into indie horror, you know, and stuff and realizing it's like Lloyd Kaufman with make your own damn movie and everything. And then I watched, I watched that, which led me to trauma, which led me to Tempe, which led, you know, and I watched this movie and I, it was so new to me. And this was like 2004, 2003, something like that. And I was just like, what is this movie? Like, I love this. This is when Netflix was actually showing mm -hmm. indie films on streaming. They don't really do that anymore. They, they put their own crap out. A lot of it in the horror you don't want to go to Netflix for horror necessarily, you know. They're oh, not, I'm not even on Netflix anymore. Yeah, they don't really do horror very Tubi well. Tubi has a lot more fun stuff. Yeah, Tubi is actually a great place to. Yeah. Spooky, yeah. do you have any films on Tubi right now? Um, no, I have movies on Amazon Prime and uh, something called Flex. 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 Yes, I have. Uh, scary story slumber party my movie is up on plex well, i'm gonna have so. to check it out because i have never seen a spooky medicine movie at least not so which one which one is on uh plex uh it's not it's not plex it's um flex fusion oh, flex. 
Flex, Flex. Fusion. Okay. What what is um, that? After, that was my first movie that I was ever no, it, that's that's a lie. It was one of the first movies I was ever in. It's called How I Got Here. Oh, okay, cool. cool. And yeah. are you primarily an actor or do you do other things too? Do you write and direct and yeah, uh, I do all of it. I am a filmmaker by trade and I wear many hats. That's outstanding. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we are at that time. So uh, we are going to go into the stinkometer where Paul is going to tell us what the stinkometer is yeah. for people who might not know. Yeah. So for the benefit of those who listen to our show and have forgotten, or if you're new, we use our stink honor as a way of rating our show where we t- pick a number from one to 10, by which the lower the number, the better the film is, which is to say the less stinky it is. And the higher the number, uh, the worse it is. And you can kind of go like a half step, like a four and a half, five and a half, six and a half, if you're feeling kind of subtle about it. But then we take our three scores from our three reviewers, we total it up. And then we plop it onto the ladder of stink and we see how it compares to the rest of the movies that we've reviewed for that particular season. And generally speaking, if it was a really bad film, it's going to get a much higher store. And if you actually make a, th- a 30 where you're getting 10s from everyone and you ascend to uh, stinky heaven with the likes of Neil Breen and, uh, <laughs> and you know, Miss Vampire and stuff like that. Um, We've yeah. had a well, Miss Werewolf, Miss Werewolf, Miss Werewolf, Werewolf was our, our plus as well as um, Shark Exorcist. We've only had two, oh, you know, thirty man. pluses, but this will not get anywhere near that. I don't think because this but was a good movie. The thing is, we love movies like that, even if they rate really hard, badly, and they're they're considered bad, terrible films for the most part that I get an enjoyment out of that. I, I find it a lot more entertaining, as Moody will tell you. I either like a movie that is a complete triumph or a complete disaster. I hate something that is just boring. If it's just boring, it has failed as a film. And yeah. those are not a movie that I'm going to be wanting to talk about. Yeah. So that's me. So, all right. Well, um, <clears throat> sometimes we let the uh, the person go, but well, since you're, you're really, you're new to our group, we're going to let Paul and me go first. Then you, if you want to be last spooky if that's okay okay. of course all right so uh paul you go first okay so i think back when i first saw this movie i probably would have given it along the lines of like a seven just because like i said the characters annoyed me and i at that particular time especially i just you know i wanted to see better writing and more fleshed out characters and for god's sake something different um seeing it now it doesn't grate me nearly as much, especially since I said I, I allowed the stuff to just just go and not think about it, not worry about it, and let the story tell itself. Um, I still have a few issues with it, but overall, I think it was a pretty decent effort considering its budget. Um, I think it was entertaining in the way that it was supposed to be. I think there's a little bit more entertainment for some stuff that I may not necessarily connect with others. You know, there's a little bit more nostalgia for me, for seeing some of the other folks who I know from other other pictures and other projects. So that that's always fun, especially from that, that period. So for me, I'm probably going to go ahead and give this a five because oh. there's, there's enough good things in here that counter out the few things that I had a, a serious problem with. And as I've said, we can hear it, we can see it. 
Um, the story makes logical sense. The lighting was good. Um, the direction was decent, even though the camera wasn't the best quality. Um, there were some narrative choices I didn't care for, but overall, I think it was okay. Alrighty, well, there you go. Um, I'm going to give it a four. Um, and uh, originally it was between a four and a six, you know, which would be a five. But uh, I went down to my four. I think uh, my my favorite part of this is just rewatching it and seeing all the people, like you said, and and to to go back to the time where I first watched it. So it's got a little bit of nostalgia for me. Um, and the little problems I have with the movie, they didn't really it didn't really matter that much, you know, in the scale, scale of things because they went and they made the movie the way they wanted to make it. And I thought they did a damn good job, you know, as far as that goes, you know, it was, it was interesting. It was entertaining and it was fun. And, um, and for me, that is a, a mark of a pretty good movie. I mean, it's not a one or a zero, you know, kind of thing, but it's, uh, it's up there with that. So uh, spooky, your turn. So taking into account the uh, practical effects, the acting and the performances and the everything technical about the filmmaking process of this movie, besides camera quality, uh, I'm going to say that I would rate this a 5.5. 5. 5. 5.5. All oh, right. Very solid. Okay. Uh, that was good that was, uh, so welcome that, to the club <laughs> yes welcome um so i gave it a four paul gave it a five and spooky gave it a 5.5 bringing it up to 14.5 let me see real quick what that puts it up next to because we have so we have the ladder stink just below have the ladder stink which uh shows what movies and so this will show you sort of an, I feel like that would be sort of polymorph, if not close. So I think polymorph was a little bit better, but yeah, I could see that. Yeah, let's find out though. Not the stink, yeah, the ladder is stink. Because we have a stink board and we also have the ladder stink on our. Well, uh, and I, I will say this about the narrative they made a very wise choice by not just ending it with the witch getting the three guys and that was it. Yeah. Having the twist where even even it didn't make a lot of sense with the drug dealer coming back and helping him didn't matter. The fact that they went off and found a second witch who was willing to help them and then they fought back, that was cool. That's generally not what you see in a lot of independent films. Usually it's just she gets the three and then that's it and bada bing, it's done. So, so I was happy to see that. So Polymorph was a 12.5. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a little bit better. That was also produced by Jared Buckwalter, and we did that. Um, the movies that go with this are Ghost House, uh, Savage Beach, and Fire City End of Days. Yeah, so, I can see that. Yeah, you know, Fire City. You know, I, I think you would have you would have gave that a lower score than all of us. Yeah, I really enjoyed Fire City. Yeah. I thought that was very very creative. Yeah. So, and you would like. I think Spooky. I think you'd like Fire City if you ever get a chance to watch it practical effects makeup and it's a world building story mm -hmm. you know unfortunately just didn't catch on and they weren't able to but they continue put it thought behind things which i really appreciate 
Yeah, I, I mean, I did it because I'm huge in story building and world building and, and, and having universes and all that stuff. That's why I love the full moon universe, you know, they get the puppet masters, but then they cross with like Ginger Dead Man or something, you know, right? And they have those things where they all connect. And I think yeah. that's a lot Rudy of fun. Well, tell you, one of my biggest pet peeves is lazy writing because writing is the one thing you can do that you can fix that you don't have to spend money on you you can just continue to rewrite it and sharpen characters and make things better and you don't have to spend goodles of money on that you know you just take the time to to work it and, and make things better you know so lazy writing bugs the hell out of me so by the way this is how i described this movie to jackie last night when i was because she was asking me what i was doing and i told her this oh, she's i said getting, she's getting uh, to the point where she wants to jump back in i'm sure i'm sure um i said uh the first movie back for the next season i'm watching the first movie back for the next season i have seen recording tomorrow it's called dead and rotting deborah sean is in it and she goes sounds horrible and i go <laughs> i'm enjoying it and then you know, I go it's about a witch who puts a curse on a bunch of guys after a couple of guys break into her house and boil her cat who also happened to be her son it's like the <laughs> it's like the cliff notes version and she goes um i felt loud <laughs> like <laughs> well considering i made her watch rectuma which was a giant butt that was running around then we made and, her watch uh, another butt movie people. the stinky was, butt movie yeah that was fun uh, yeah, well, you know, she likes that kind of stuff. Then also, we also made her watch Midget Zombie Takeover, which, you know, not so good. Sounds like it would be more fun than it was. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it was a terrible movie. Um, it was it was children zombie take you know, children takeover because they weren't really even zombies and they were pretty much like little kids. You know, they couldn't make up. Yeah, it was terrible. It was awful. So, Spooky, what did you think of your first IFC episode? I didn't hate it. Okay. That's a ringing endorsement if I've ever heard one. Are you willing to come back? Yeah. All right. <laughs> she said, I didn't hate it. That should be like a quote. <laughs> so that means, Mr. Moody, next one is it's my turn. Uh, oh, of course. Absolutely. My turn to pick a movie. Uh, right. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have her back um, later this season for sure. Um, a hey, spooky schedule though man getting her uh getting not her on here is great um and we appreciate it I, I understand you've got your own life you've got your own stuff and it sounds like you're very very busy doing your own thing so we really appreciate uh, the fact that you're willing to come on our show our little tiny itty bitty little show we we really appreciate it thank yeah. you very much yeah yeah of course i would much rather do fun stuff like this than do any sort of promotional podcast episode i love being interviewed i'm kind of weird so usually when i'm interviewed i try really hard to look normal uh but when i'm being interviewed i i don't know how i come off to people it's not probably not great you're talking to the guy that pretends he's a cow on the internet that's so, fair yeah no that's you, fair. you don't have to worry about being weird but it's so us. much more fun to review movies because i love watching movies it's my favorite thing in the whole world is watching movies and breaking hey. them down and and just relating to them in different ways or i love to hate them you know i just think that it's an art form that is never gonna go away 
Well, I think we also gave you, like, I gave you a pretty easy one, you know, a little bit of a softball. Was, That's a little okay. bit of a softball. And I did that. You don't want um, to frighten people away. Well, I mean, no, I mean, which we've done on occasion. <laughs> have we? I mean, Paige. Paige. Jimmy Paige came back twice. She did two. <laughs> Mummy Cat broke her. That was her first movie. But then Sledgehammer's at Dawn kind of brought her back to whatever. Yeah. But she never did yeah. anything, but that was because she went on her own little you would love Paige. she's so sweet but she's just yeah. like she's <laughs> she's in her own little page world she does whatever she's like i'm gonna go do this and she goes and does that and then we're just like generally okay. when they get to the point where they're going Paw! and they punch me in the arm i know my job is done <laughs> i know yeah uh, no she did not she did not like there was curse of the mummy cat which i i showed him the like the dvd of it and he just went <laughs> out and bought it like that second oh yeah you know Oh, he was yeah. like, I got to get this movie. I have to show and, this to everybody I've ever met in my And I didn't movie. even buy it. I just saw it at uh, Dark Delicacy. And I bought I a bunch of his movies. He's cool. And he's still, we're supposed to interview him. So he just hadn't gotten back to me yet about a good time for us to go up there. He wants us to actually go up and interview him in person. Oh, no. We can do <laughs> yeah. this. I know. It's just, I'm like so used to Zoom interviews. I'm so, I like them. Because I don't have to go anywhere and everything, and I have to make a whole day out of it. But <laughs> yeah, who's going to be driving? It's going to be me. So I know, but don't I'm worry just about saying. it. All right, um, but yeah, so we have a lot going on this season. This is going to be a crazy, crazy season. Um, but we're back to doing three episodes, so that's good. You know, we're not trying to to force ourselves to do four and and do too much. And, uh, uh, sorry. Spooky, have you uh, listened to any of our other podcasts or any of our other shows or episodes? No. Where you kind of came <laughs> into this cold? Yep. Well, I, I don't mean, I, I do. I usually do afterwards after the interview, but I don't want to be influenced by other guests. Um, I, I try to be, I mean, I try to come in really, really authentic, which is why I take notes uh, in my own shorthand um, using keywords and stuff because I, uh, there's like this thing about my personality and it's probably the neurodivergence, but I will chameleon a little bit. And if I'm, if I watch too many episodes of something of like a show I'm going to be on, I start to take on a persona of a previous guest or someone that I really liked their interview. And I don't want to do that. Okay. I've done, I've made the mistake of watching too many hot ones episodes, which is a hot oh. wings challenge on YouTube. Oh yeah. Um, and I started talking like the host. And I had to stop watching it for like two weeks. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, that's an that's a that's a good acting trait, though, right? Like because in a way, you can sort of become someone else, you know, for a little bit or whatever. Pick up details. Yeah. Sure. Can pick up sure. the details. Problem is, like, I guess you don't want to be too much like them. You want to be your own person, you know, or and everything. I've been watching. I've been binge watching Secession on HBO or whatever, and wow those people some of the actors are like from like australia and england and all these you would never know you would mm -hmm. never know you, and when you hear them talk like as like americans you know or whatever they just sound at you know not you know naturally american and everything and so then you hear mm -hmm. them in interviews and you're like what the heck did I just oh. hear? And then the other thing, Spooky, is I, I, you know, before we started, I wanted to make sure that you understood that, you know, you were absolutely free to say whatever you wanted to say. And, it, you know, it's not a problem. Being, be yourself, be your authentic self, as you said. We sometimes will get people who 
you know, I guess because they work with other folks or they, they may work with other folks that sometimes that makes them feel like they can't say things. But the way we look at it, we are not saying just, oh, this sucks and that's it. We, we come up with very specific reasons why we have the critiques that we do. And I just think that that's fair. And that may necessarily see eye to eye with some of the folks that we, we deal with. But, you know, I'm willing to stand behind everything that I talk about in any of my critiques. And, and if anybody wants to disagree with us, they, yeah. they have every right in the world to, Absolutely. you know. But, uh, and in fact, we, we were supposed to do an interview with somebody and it just never worked out. But uh, we were supposed to do an interview with somebody who was not happy with our review of his movie. And he thought we were wrong. And we were like, well, all right, we'll do a show. And, you know, because he asked us to do a show and it's not sure. And we have no problem with that. Yeah, we have no problem because we don't feel we don't feel like we were we were harsh, you know, or whatever. I mean, there might be some movies we don't like the particular director of it, you know, but generally speaking, we're still very honest about our opinion. We don't let that. You know. We had one other one give us a movie to, to review, and I think they thought that because they provided it for us that we were simply going to give them a glowing review. Well, also regardless. other people gave it glowing reviews, too. We were one yeah, of the only ones who did it. <laughs> we were more honest about it, and that person was not happy at all. But, yeah. you know, you got to have integrity, and you got to just say, hey, you know, this is what I thought, and here are the reasons why. You know, I'm not just going to throw it out there and just say, oh, this stunk, you know. I ran into him at a horror convention and didn't even recognize him at first. And then I was like, oh, hey, he didn't say anything about the <laughs> review. He didn't say anything. He just say, hey, what's up? You know, okay. he's the one who he was like, hey, Jonathan. And I was like, whoa, hey. And then nothing. Plus, so like I mean, you got to have a thick skin in this. Business. Yeah. I mean, just, seriously. You know, be just happy, you know, who and not everybody's going to get what you're about too. Um, now that's part of your job is to at least attempt to sort of get people to understand where you're coming from, but it's not going to work for everybody and mm. you have to understand that's going to happen. So by the way, I told you earlier spooky and I don't think it told Paul, but uh, I did buy phantom fun world, which I am oh, cool. so, so, so excited nice. to get soon. Whenever uh, Tori's able to send that out, I'm excited and uh, everything. So um, I'm going to be getting that. I'm getting Murder Size, which is uh, uh, the movie done by Paul Ragsdale. Um, I don't yeah. know if, if you know him, uh, Spooky, or have worked with him or... Yeah, I I actually um, bug him every now and then because he's one of those filmmakers who releases a poster for a movie that he hasn't written yet. So he has this movie called Only Fangs he wants to release. Yeah. And I I send him photos of me with vampire fangs in all the time. I'm like, hey, I got nice. so, you know, if you want to cast me, I'm right here. I'll uh, I'll I'll try to say something. Try to try to you know talk to him and, and say you and should hire spooky she's wonderful you, you know also we we do have other shows we actually talk about good movies too <laughs> we I, have a, I, yeah i know all about your other shows forgotten you guys- horror classics Ooh. we just did kill list uh if you can see it i guess not no, you can't um that's the uh, ben wheatley movie and um you know we do uh 
uh, film freaks and we do Criterion Watch and you know yeah. we do some good stuff too. It's just I've, I've told Spooky about a bunch. Of okay, them, you know, it's just already. you know, She's... in our hearts, we we do kind of love the the ones that sort of fail. You know, the Misfit Island toys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of the Misfit Island toys, on Tubi, in honor of the fact that Tori Jones of Jonestown Films is releasing Boy from Below, you guys on this one specifically should do the wicked one okay okay yeah definitely i mean the boy from below is going to be like the hollywood money version of his first film ever yeah i saw um so at uh was it um at scarefest i did see uh jason um crow and he gave me a copy of wicked ones because i already had a copy of wicked one yeah so i bought the sequel to it so i have all i have both of those and i can't wait for boy from below so i'd have all the, the trilogy uh, of it all and everything. yeah well, well it's not a trilogy it's a full reboot a full reboot okay it's a full retelling of the boy from below whose name is colin miller he's the main villain nice mm-hmm. well there you go and uh um see this is going to be in january so i'm pretty sure it's going to be a little oh past wait a second that- you were in wolf hollow yeah. I haven't seen a movie with you then. No, I don't think it's out yet. Yeah, it's no. on Amazon. Is it on, yeah, Amazon? on Amazon? Did you watch you watch it on Amazon? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you already watched it. Okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah, she was in Wolf Hollow. Which okay. um, yeah. Uh one day we may review that one as well. But <laughs> it's sure, weird. Yeah. It's always weird when we review movies that we have a special like uh we forgot to mention earlier well we did mention earlier that james l edwards is in the background when they're watching a uh or whatever but we forgot to mention like uh like that that that's the thing like because you i we have james l edwards as a special guest you know and stuff he reviews the movies with us and he's harsher than anyone we've ever (laughs) had because he he just doesn't like anything really that much. Like, I mean, he, he does, but he doesn't, you know, like it takes a lot for him to, he, I'll send him stuff and he's like, John, why do you make me watch these terrible? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not Paul, you know, like he hasn't, I don't think he's gotten one of your movies yet. No, 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 no. no so. Keeping him from me. And Well, no, you never ask for him. Um, you know, when we do our uh, thing. So, uh, but yeah. Um, so James L. Edwards, has been doing that and then so i'm always weirded out of like going should we review a james l edwards movie or not or just say whatever you know when we've reviewed many before him we haven't actually done any after we've had him as a guest yeah yeah that's true so you know he's not the only one i mean tina krauss comes on our show now and again and mm -hmm. kate phoenix and some other folks yeah so there's tons of actors who've come on who we haven't really had any filmmakers come on. Uh, I would love uh, to get Donald Farmer as a guest. You know? Yeah, and then we had um, oh gosh, what was his? Oh name? yeah, we had John Johnson. We've had yeah, uh, we had uh, yeah, tons of people. So all right, and uh, I forget the the guy who made the um, a Jeremiah Morehouse. Yes, Jeremiah Morehouse, the the Demon Babies from Hell movie. I think that yeah, that's what you were first thinking of. Yes, <laughs> yes. There's a movie called Zombie Demon. zombie babies from hell i don't know well biker biker warrior babe versus the zombie demons babies from hell wow that sounds like a like a 
Fallout Boy song title. <laughs> it was a yes, lot of fun. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> those, those, they have some weird titles on their songs. I love it. it, it they don't. It doesn't even match the the move is most of the time it doesn't even match the whatever they're actually talking about. Um yeah. that's wonderful. Um I love that she's a fallout well, you are a fallout boy fan, right? Then if you said that. I am thirty, so yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes, Paul Paul's Paul's a little older, so that wasn't his thing, I don't think. But yes. No, I'm, when you say Fallout Boy, I think I think Simpsons. Oh, okay. Okay. That's probably where they got it from. They did. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. Well, I once again, I want to thank you, Spooky, because, yes, you are wonderful. We love having you on. Uh, we'll have to get you back again for one of Paul's and maybe even one of the other podcasts if you feel like joining, you know, and, and coming on. But we won't keep bothering you to do it like every month. Like, hey, Spooky, you know, and everything. We'll just do I it. Think, I think it would be boring for your listeners if I was on every single one. Oh, I doubt that. Well, we've had we had a co-host um who was our third person originally in our first season you know so oh. we had uh just jen who uh paul like didn't tell her that she was going to be in the show <laughs> he just said that she, okay. they were watching a, a stinky movie and would you like to come over he had already told her about the podcast but didn't tell her the connection and so but he had told me, oh, Jen's going to be our new co-host. And I said, oh, okay. I knew in her heart where it lies. Yeah. So we, she came over to Paul's house. This was before we had a studio. And I came up to her and I go, so this is how we do the podcast. And she goes, Whoa, what? <laughs> and I go, the podcast that we're about to do that, you know, and you're going to co-host with us. And she was like, Paul never told me that. And Paul's in the other room. You know, and pops out literally. It felt like a movie. Popped out his head, and he goes, "Well, will you?" <laughs> <laughs> now she kind of felt like whatever, but she became a real big part of it. She edited. She this. likes me. She bakes me cookies. Yeah, she edited some of the stuff, and then just after that first year, she had to. She had to get back to she real was work. Way too and, busy. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah, got yeah. way too busy and and stuff and then uh but she still comes on as special guest once again another person i think i don't think we've had anybody on this show you wouldn't like that nobody wouldn't like plus we do like to have some diversity because you know moody and i have the nerdy white guy angle pretty well covered so it's nice to have a different perspective and and uh, you know it's nice to have diversity well you knew a lot about witches which is very good for our show today which i did not know you knew about so if this was a if this was a video podcast like if the if everyone could see this i would show you the grimoire that i made show it because we'll put it as a tiktok video show it hold on i'm gonna go get it (laughs) oh man paul i love this this is this is a great episode back you know gotta get her back yeah definitely all right so what's this so this is how big it is oh Oh, wow. wow nice so let me undo the buckles. Jesus, got buckles. So you, you make props too, then? No, no, no. I bought this leather. I bought a. I bought a leather journal from Etsy, uh, handmade, and it's like uh, twenty by fifteen or something. Wow, something like that. that's not cheap. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was like lots of money. So yeah, um, I made my own book of shadows, and I'll show you. This is wow. says book of shadows. Oh, nice. very cool. 
Oh, yeah. you drew that too? I did all of it. It's all hand. Wow. I have a table of contents. Nice. nice. And then I'll show you. I don't know. What do you guys want to? Here's my about the author. Okay. Oh, I dig the spider. That's no, it's got so cool. That is pretty cool. So is this like spells or something or what? So this is a book of shadows, which is basically a book of knowledge of everything. So in this book, I go from alchemy to palm reading to hexes and curses of all different types of cultures to hoodoo and voodoo, all kinds of shit. Um, I Are have these things that you've learned or is these things that you've like picked up from the internet? Like these are things that I'm learning as I go per chapter. It's kind of like a personal goal um, to learn them for this specifically. So, so then you can look back at it and, and keep a track of what you're doing. That's really cool. Nice. Oh, you're doing in cursive wow. too. Oh yeah. Color me, different fonts. color me very impressed with you, Spooky. Thanks. Yeah. And I am on chapter seven right now of um, 60. Okay. Nice. That's outstanding. Yeah, that's amazing. That's, that's... Oh, Moody, you found a good one. What can I say? I, I find good ones all the time. I, what do you tell? <laughs> I don't think you've ever complained about anybody that I brought in. You know? No, no. Yeah. Remember, remember Ramaku when you're like, who's this Ramaku girl? You know, I whatever. never said that. I love Ramaku. <laughs> no, but before you even knew who she was, you're like, okay, Jonathan. And then all of a sudden she's like your bestie now. So, yeah. All right. Anyway, we're 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 gonna wrap it up. It, it goes a little longer than we normally do, but that's because it's the first episode of the season, and we want to make sure this is really fun for us. Uh, join us next week. It'll be my episode, and then after that will be Paul's, and uh, so we're gonna keep it going like that, like we've been doing it for a while. So once again, Spooky, thank you so so much. You've been very awesome. We love your notes and we love everything that you've pretty much brought to the table here. Yeah, outstanding. And uh, thank you very much again for joining us and um, hopefully get to see you on IFC again. And yeah, we'd love to have you on uh, Forgotten Horror Classics or some of our other shows too. So yeah, yeah, if you get the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yep. And everybody else, thank you guys for listening. Check out next week's episode. Until then, everybody, Continuity Monkey is saying goodbye. Bye.